a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. There are 24 hours and 24 minutes left until the deadline for the U.S. troop withdrawal in Afghanistan. As that rolls out, people are starting to wonder what comes next and who will be involved in that process. Is it simply an issue for America and its allies? There's more to it. Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. But with the Taliban taking over Afghanistan, some eyes in the international community have turned to... China. If China wasn't on your list, it's time to think again. Why is that? Uh, Why would China benefit uh, from a country like Afghanistan? Uh, What are the impacts and implications of both here and abroad? Uh, There's so much to this. Uh, Very pleased to be joined now by Ian Johnson, a senior fellow for China Studies at the Council on Foreign Relations. And he's an expert on Chinese politics, society and religion uh, understands this in a really unique way. Ian, thanks for joining us today. It's my pleasure. So many people have really not been thinking too heavily or talking a whole lot about uh, how all of this uh, that is unfolding in Afghanistan uh, impacts China and the U.S.-Chinese relations. As you look at from a kind of a broad brush to begin with, Ian, what's, what's your assessment? Where are we? What should we be watching for coming out of China in the days and weeks ahead? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting case because this is almost a test case for how China will act as a rising superpower. It um, over the past 20 years, uh, since the uh, Al Qaeda attacks and the downfall, of the the original downfall of the ta- Taliban in in 2001, China has sort of gone along with the Western idea because of, of wanting to limit radicalism in Afghanistan or trying to counter terrorism. It was not an active military participant, but they have, or they feel that they have, a problem with radical Islam in their own country. They share a border with Afghanistan, and they don't want Afghanistan to become a radical or a base for radical Islam either. So I think that's one side of it, where we could expect China to in some ways, be sympathetic to Western interests. Mm. Uh, and so let's let's dig into that just a little bit deeper and, and break that into two parts, really. There's obviously a, a political interest in terms of Afghanistan. There's also an economics as it relates to China. How do those two things play out? Well, that's the, that's the other thing. The economic aspect um, is going to be really interesting to watch. China 
has been pretty aggressive over the past decade in going to uh, smaller developing countries where Western uh, countries have not been investing too much and cutting deals with local authorities. And, and Afghanistan has natural resources. Uh, the Taliban does not have the foreign aid that it had before. It's going to need foreign investment. Western countries are pulling out of Afghanistan, as we know. So there's not going to be much Western investment in Afghanistan, if any at all. So China could step in and say, hey, you know, those copper mines that you have and those other things, we'll come in, we'll invest it. It'll be a win-win situation. That's what China always likes to talk about, a win-win situation. And, um, and you know, you'll get money and be able to keep your government going, and we'll also be able to secure natural resources, which we need as a big industrial power. Yeah, you mentioned that economics and the uh, foreign aid, uh, the – the government that was just toppled in Afghanistan, 75% of their budget was uh, from foreign aid. 40% of GDP uh, in Afghanistan is aid, foreign aid. Uh, and so clearly China could play a, an interesting role there in terms of a government that, again, may find itself short on resources, uh, which would make it incredibly unstable and uh, could potentially create a real humanitarian issue as well. Yeah, I think for China, that would be something new if they were to do that, because up until now, they've, they like doing businesses with dictatorships or authoritarian states. They don't have any problems doing that. They never have conditions on human rights and things like that. They're not going to go in and open a, coal, a, a copper mine and say, uh, are women getting an education? They're not going to you know, impose right. those kinds of conditions that Western countries might. On the other hand, they don't like to go in and pour money down a black hole. And I think they tend to to look at these things with a really cold, calculating eye. Um, so I don't think they're going to step in and be this big source of, of money. Uh, and so, so I think it, it'll help the Taliban, but it won't be sort of this panacea for the Taliban for the, the 40% of their GDP, as you mentioned. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's great insight there. And I, and I want to ask you the, the political rhetoric component to all of this. We heard some reports coming out over the weekend of, uh, of China, you know, kind of sending those messages uh, over to Taiwan saying, you know, see, as soon as, as, soon as the battle begins, the U.S. will flee. Uh, you really shouldn't count on them to support you. Uh, what's the political rhetoric uh, in terms of China? I think this will, in some ways, be a, a chance for China to say to smaller countries around the world, for example, also Lithuania in, in Europe, which has been taking some, a strong position against China, and China's been trying to isolate it, and say, listen, you know, the United States, at the end of the day, won't be there for you. Um, it'll cut and run. Um, I don't think that will really go over very well in places like Taiwan. I mean, if you were to tell the Taiwanese that if there's a war with China, the United States will fight on your side for 20 years before leaving, I think they'd probably think that's not a bad deal. <laughs> they'd probably take that, um, yeah. <laughs> so, they'd probably take that because the war is going to be over in like six weeks or something, one way or the other. So I don't think those kind of arguments will go too far. I think Taiwan and the United States have pretty close ties, and I think it's still, of course, not – uh, exactly clear would the United States fight under which circumstances, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I do think it'll it, it's a short-term body blow to U.S. prestige. But we've had debacles in the past. We had the Iran hostage crisis 40 years ago. Um, we had other issues as well over the years. Vietnam, of course, the, the, the most famous one. But American prestige has come back because it's still the biggest and most powerful country. I don't mean to say that we can continue to do these kinds of things and it'll never matter. 
But I think there's reasonably a chance that, yes, in the short term, it looks pretty bad. The optics are pretty bad. But in the longer term, um, if the United States keeps its eye on the ball, uh, it'll still be able to come back from this. Uh, Great insight. Uh, Ian Johnson, Senior Fellow for China Studies at the Council of Foreign Relations. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us today. Wonderful insight on China and Afghanistan, what that impact and what that looks like moving forward. So as we... Kind of wrap it all together again. We are at about uh, 24 hours and and change at this point in the program. 24 hours, 17 minutes until uh, the occupation is to end. That is the deadline. And I really appreciated Ian's perspective in terms of what China may or may not do, how that relationship will come together and what that means for the Taliban in terms of the short term. They're going to need they're going to need dollars and cents. Uh, they're going to need some resources in the country if they're going to be able to prop up a government that can actually govern. Uh, and that really is the test, I think, for the Taliban. The country knows they can fight, uh, but the country is not so sure they can govern. And can they govern without money? Can they govern without help from places like China, like Russia, like Iran, North Korea? Uh, what kind of uh, access is going to come together uh, in terms of the Taliban and Afghanistan? There are so many unanswered questions. We're going to stay with this question as we roll into our next segment. And we're going to talk about the humanitarian side of all of this and what that means coming up next on Inside Sources. With Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, You need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.